This is The Upside, a talk and music show on a theme that's upbeat and offbeat. I'm your host, Jen Ferrara, and today the theme is fortunes. We're talking about an upcoming event that's happening at the Clemens Family Farm called To Sing of Common Things, Making a Way Out of No Way. That is the anchor for this conversation. We're talking about success and achievement, the uh, ways people had helped, the way there were barriers. Later in this uh, conversation, I'll be talking with Shamari Wills, who will be one of the speakers this weekend at the Clemens Family Farm. He's going to be speaking about his book, Black Fortunes, the story of the first six African-Americans who survived slavery and became millionaires. And right now in the studio with me is Dr. Wanda Heading Grant, Vice President for Human Resources, Diversity and Multicultural Affairs at the University of Vermont. I am thrilled to have her here. She is going to be the moderator for this event series at the Clemens Family Farm, and she has a wonderful list of achievements in her own right. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her before we start talking. Throughout her years of leadership, Dr. Wanda Heading Grant has been recognized for her dedication to social justice and establishing programs and policies to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion to the classroom and the workplace. She has received numerous awards, including the 2019 Women Worth Watching Award from Profiles in Diversity Journal, the 2018 University of Vermont Alumni Achievement Award, and the 2018 National Association of Diversity Officers in Higher Education Individual Leadership Award. Heading Grant is also a clinical associate professor in the College of Education and Social Services and a member of the graduate faculty at UVM with certifications from Yale University, Harvard University, and the Society for Human Resource Management. It is so great to have you here, Wanda. Welcome. Thank you, Jen. I'm so excited. And I wanted to know who exactly were you talking about, but you kept calling <laughs> my name, so I must have, I have to own up to it. <laughs> well, I... It, yes, it's a great list of achievements. Congratulations also on your most recent award. This is really, this is hot stuff. You know, when you read a list, you're like, they won this, they won that. But when I read the actual list, you're one of 166 winners of the 18th Annual Women Worth Watching Award by Profiles in Diversity Journal. And there were like 2,000 past award recipients, but they're like, these guys are major, like um, General Motors and Lockheed Martin and Hershey's. These are big corporate, national and international organizations. And here, you work at UVM, and I believe you're the only academic recipient in the US? This is what they're telling me. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to control my excitement, and um, you know, but I feel very honored and very delighted to be recognized um, by this magazine, um, this entity. It's, um, it's been a long journey when I look back over my life, and I still like to think I'm young, but I you know, have a dedication to the work I do around diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and it's so important to me, and I seem to do it sort of naturally. It, it just comes to me, um, but I have to say that um, you know, part of this and, and some of my acknowledgments absolutely comes from the people I surround myself with and who I work with, particularly at the University of Vermont. My colleagues, my friends, um, I couldn't ask for a better institution to work at as well as a better um, group of people to um, to work with to make things happen and make change at the University of Vermont around this topic. And so for this body, this organization to recognize me and to be put in the category with so many women of influence, I, um, I am over the moon and thankful and very grateful um, to the people around me, my family and friends, and of course, my Lord and Savior. 
Well, this sounds like a very much deserved award. And so what you've been saying is that you kind of have always done, this is sort of just part of who you are, is this work. But how did you, how did you get here? Are you, are you from Vermont? Did you start here in Vermont? Good, good question. <laughs> no, so I'm originally from Trenton, New Jersey, and I came to um, Vermont um, to attend the University of Vermont as an undergraduate student. Uh, I think UVM is in my blood. Mm. And um, um, I, interesting story about that, I came to the University of Vermont sight unseen, and um, I told my guidance counselor at the time that I wanted to be different, and I wanted to do something different. And all that meant to me as a 17 year old was to not come into the classroom. I was in um, these advanced study programs and cluster groups and all my peers would come in and say, I'm going to this institution or that institution. And they often were either in the state of New Jersey or towards the South. And my family and I spent a lot of summers in the South. My dad and mom are from the South. And, um, and so I decided as much as I love the South that I wanted to do something different and I wanted to come into the classroom and say, I'm going to, and I didn't know what that was. And um, I'll, I'll skip a part and just say, in the end, um, even though my guidance counselor was smart enough to make sure that I applied to lots of different schools and I'm grateful to say I got into all of them, he said, we're gonna get you into the University of Vermont. He went to, um, uh, Champlain College. I'm uh, sorry. Let me take that back. He went to St. Michael's and he said he could not get into the University of Vermont and we're going to get you into the University of Vermont. And so I made the decision to come to UVM um, over the University of Pittsburgh, which felt different because I thought it was too cold in Pittsburgh. Mm. And that was because I would watch television with my dad and brothers who were watching football and I could see the stadium and I saw snow. So um, here I am in the state of Vermont because um, one first generational college student and um, I just didn't know any. To a certain degree, I didn't know any better. But, um, you know, in, in the beginning, I used to say it was bittersweet. And about 15 years ago, I stopped saying that I love the fact that I chose to come to the University of Vermont because so many things have happened to me and for me. But that's, that's how I got here. But you can imagine as a um, um, black African-American um, woman, um, you know, the things that um, from my youth until now that I might have had to um, um, you know, I've had to see things as uh, opportunities, even when they were challenges and they were obstacles. And and so I've always done work around diversity, inclusion, or trying to help people understand the kind of climate that I wanted to live in. But it really didn't get formalized until I got to the state of Vermont for lots of reasons. And some of that is age and maturity. And some of that is that, you know, this is a predominantly white state and things have happened and do happen. Um, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, but I've been able to, you know, take all of that and, um, you know, as they say, make some really good Southern lemonade with it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I would imagine that being here, you really start, you had this like really powerful experience of what it's like to be in this predominantly white community that would be, I'm assuming, pretty different from growing up in New Jersey. And 
and everything was sort of right in front of you to see as a student. Now, how did you get, though, from a student to a faculty member? Because that's still kind of a, a big leap there that from is, being an undergrad. It? Yeah, it, it, it is. Well, you know, I, I came to the state, as I said, sight unseen. And, you know, there was a part of this for me was that I was very unfamiliar with this community. But I also felt like this community was unfamiliar with me in terms as being a woman of color and um, in terms of what was what what I needed to feel like I belonged. And um but one of the great things that happened was even through that unfamiliarity, um, I met some wonderful people from all walks of life. And sometimes it was few and in between, but it was just enough to um, encourage and inspire. And so I um, got my undergraduate degree in social work as well as my master's degree in social work. And I got my master's because um, in the College of Education and um, Social Services, um, Department of Social Services, really helped and pushed me to think bigger because growing up, I thought all I wanted was an undergraduate BA, BS degree, and um, and that I would go off and work and go back to New Jersey. And um, uh, some people opened my eyes about what was possible. And um, and then the same thing happened again when I went on to get my um, my doctorate degree. But what I will say is um, at one time in my early part of my career, I did psych evaluations out of the emergency room, what was called the MCHB. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's um, University Health Center. And I worked for Howard Center doing um, that work. And um, I was a clinical social worker. And um, an opportunity became available over at the University of Vermont for me to go to work in the counseling center as their first social worker. And um, what I, I basically decided that... Um, over in the counseling center doing wonderful work, but it was slow pace and I loved doing crisis work. And somehow I just made up in my head that I couldn't go back to Howard, so I thought I would be a great administrator. And I told people that, and I think it was my own cover because I didn't want my family to think, what is she doing? She's just switching jobs and so forth. And um, I was very fortunate to meet someone in church who worked at um, UVM who made a suggestion that I apply for a job in the affirmative action office. And they were very specifically looking for someone from a social service background who can help with grievances and hearings around um, um, civil rights. Uh, matters and issues. And that was the beginning of my administrative career. And then some wonderful things happened in between, but I won't bore you with those. But um, who's they... bored? <laughs> Seriously, who's bored here? This is fascinating. Yeah. But it, there were some successful things. And I yeah. had um, a really um, big assignment from the university that was around a contract issue. And um, it went really success- successful under my leadership. And that was the beginning of sort of, oh, Maybe this woman has something we haven't seen yet. And um, from there on, um, I've just been, um, I've worked hard. I understand and know that I do have talents and skills, that um, some of it is innate. Um, the way I work with people and deal with people and the fact that I love my work, um, that has moved me forward along with the wonderful support I've gotten from people. Oh, that's great. I think that, um that idea and sort of what we'll be talking with Shamari later about the in this book is this you know idea of how do you work with other people and how are you not just doing something to better your own life but you you've carved a path right you've made space for more people to have success at UVM through your job and through your role there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you know, I think that that's what I do. And, you know, it's not, um, I don't feel good when other people don't feel happy. And so I'm the kind of person that I will come forward and say, how can I help? What do you need? And um, because I am that kind of person, it has put me in situations and places that I can make a difference. Now, have they all been as successful? No, but certainly it's been rewarding to me because I took a risk and the opportunity to to um, do something good for someone else. And so I... Um, I had a recent uh, performance appraisal. I'm not sure if I should say this, but let's just say it was said that, you know, I have tenacity and I have Mm. gravitas. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I like that. And so um, and they talked about my spirit. Mm. And um, and I thought, how did this young girl from, you know, the urban city of Trenton, New Jersey, close to Philadelphia, um, you know, how did how did I get here? And where did this tenacity, this um, gravitas come from? And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, how I grew up and things that I did. And, you know, it built some resiliency. And it didn't always come from a very positive place, um, you know, that some things I had to endure. Um, but um, I was able to make silver and gold linings out of it. And um, and I use that a lot in the work that I do. And, um, and of course, you can't ignore the social work background. It's just there. I use my background as a social worker to do the work that I need to do as an administrator in terms of diversity, inclusion, and equity and inclusion. And this includes the, you know, the stuff that I do around human resources. I mean, it just works for me and it feels good. And, um, and I feel like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And when I don't know what I'm doing, I go out and figure out how to, um, make it work under a creative and innovative way. And so I, um, and that's for me and that's for all the people that I believe that I work with and I work for. And so, you know, doing diversity work is hard work and, um, you, 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 you gotta be ready for it. But, um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm learning every day and getting more and more prepared. So, why not give back? Why not pay it forward? And, you know, more than just mentoring people, I want to sponsor people. And more than people just mentoring me, I want them to sponsor me. And I especially want them to know how important that is for women of color and especially African-American and black women. Can you say a little more about what sponsor means as opposed to mentoring? I'd love to hear your interpretation. Of that. Yeah. So I do a lot of work around women leadership and um, and I speak about this a lot. Um, you know, women are often over mentored and under sponsored. And so many people are willing to sit and talk and give you ideas and thoughts and guide you and supervise, you know, advise you. And that is so important. We need that. So I am don't take that away from us folks. <laughs> but um, sponsorship is um, a, a good example would be there's a, a, a committee that's being um, put together um, for a major project that has responsibilities um, that would um, elevate your visibility around your skills and your talents. And going to maybe, um, in this case, I'm going to say, um, I've done this. I've gone to my former boss and asked um, the president and said, will you sponsor me? Will you let um, this other person know what my skills are and ask them, would they 
consider me to be the chair of this committee? Would you put your name behind my name? Mm. So sponsorship is about putting yourself alongside or in front of me so that they see your face, your um, all of your credentials and say, and it means, you know, I now I am not only supporting Wanda, I'm going as far as saying, will you take her on? Will you give her this opportunity? So sponsorship is about going the next step and saying that you um, um, you're putting your own reputation in some ways on the line um, to give this person a chance. That's great. That is an excellent description and something I really appreciate just you spelling it out for people so clearly. It makes me think of that phrase, you know, it's not what you know, but who you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I think we know isn't entirely true, but the who you know really matters. And having someone not just know you, but actually advocate for you and put you forward. Uh, I would agree in who you know. I'm going to add to in, um, you know, in how you make them feel about what you do and who you are um, is important because that's when they, they're able to move from the mentorship to the sponsorship, willing to go out there on a limb for you. And sometimes it's not as much as a limb. It's just, you know, it's not even so much of a, it's a big risk. Sometimes it is for some and others. Some people are so skilled and so talented. And especially I'm going to focus right now on women and people of color that they just don't get the opportunities. And so um, and 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 they need that. They need that. They can they can do the work. But sometimes we need those doors open for us. Um, it's important. It sounds like it's a good balance, too. I mean, it's really important that white people in leadership are thinking about this and understanding this is important. And also that people who are in need of sponsorship are advocating for themselves a bit and asking for what they need. That That's exactly right. So when you know, when I was looking, um, um, uh, you know, at um, or, or reading Black Fortunes mm-hmm. and I thought about all the women that were in this Oh my goodness, how it resonated with me. Powerful. Against, one would say, all odds in the achievement. And it made me think about the things that I have been talking about, things I've been living, people that I know. I am surrounded by some really wonderful, smart, powerful women of color. Um, and, um, and I thought, that's them mm-hmm. in this era. And um, and what is possible, and so you know, it it, it is again that tenacity, mm-hmm. that grit, mm-hmm. you know, the resiliency, you know, making a way out of no way, and how do you do that? And um, so you know, very honored to have been asked to um, be the moderator for this annual program, and I I, I think. It's going to give me a chance. Everything that bubbles up inside of me um, will be able to come out in these different these series, and to have you know um, Shamari Will's book be the first one, and so many elements of the stories that are in there resonate with me. From you know regimen around hair care, mm-hmm. and 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 C.J. Walker and Annie Malone, and I just am, I am so excited to be able to have that conversation this Saturday um, about 
his book as well as the women that are in that book and um, um, how they made it. Yeah. It's a fact, yeah, these stories are amazing. Annie Malone started off as an orphan and she like didn't have, you know, she was living with a sister and she was doing hair at home and she made a national, like, uh, well, she, she did both, uh, she had sort of where she was doing the work at first herself, where she was yes. doing hair, but then she started selling products in this like totally new world of, of actual national sales mm-hmm. that was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh yeah. That's gonna be fun. This is going to be so fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, I hope um, that people will really take the opportunity to come out and, um, you know, meet Shamari, um, read Shamari's book, um, as well as um, participate and come out and listen and hear and have a discussion with many of the other speakers that will be here over between now and October. Um, when I talk about bubbling up, the thing that you may not know about me is that um, I'm really a fun person. <laughs> and um, what I thought at one time might be somewhat of a hindrance, sometimes I have to watch myself, but it has been the thing that people have said that they really like about me, um, love about me, and it's sort of sort of free with my thoughts and my words um, in, in, in a kind way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I can't help myself. And so part of this opportunity to be at the Clemens Farm, what they're doing for this community, what they're doing for African Americans in um, putting forth um, our heritage in a very visible um, and in many ways physical way. I mean, yeah. things you can touch. Um, I'm just so excited to be a part of that. And, um, you know, I applaud them for the work that they're doing. And so, you know, this this theme of making a way out of no way, it just draws me back to my time in New Jersey growing up as a child, my mother being raised as a single parent, um, all that she had to endure, um, how it's made me a stronger woman, how I've listened to other um, African-American women and about their journeys, some of their struggles, but some of their so many successes. And so these women that are in Jamari's books, you know, the process to becoming these millionaires and where they came from and what they were enduring mm. as they went forward. And yes, there were men in there as well <laughs> that had to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, um, you know, if if you can't have hope after reading this book, I'm not sure what will give it to you. <laughs> And um, and so um, it's it's a it's an it's it it will be wonderful to have that dialogue and look at um, American history, look at American African American history, and the roles that many of us, uh, many of our you know forebears, you know um, you know shoulders that we're standing on, and how they made it happen. And I heard Shamari say something on a talk about. Um, Um, or being interviewed and it was a conversation about you know maybe the idea of our solutions and our problems currently here in the future some of the answers may be um, found in the past Mm -hmm. and we want to look at that you know I'd like to look at that on Saturday in that conversation and and during that conversation and dialogue and really get some thoughts about some of the contemporary things that are happening and the philanthropy that's yeah. going on. I was thinking about, he graduated from Morehouse. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we right. know what happened at Morehouse this past commencement yeah. in terms of Smith giving 
you know, the donation, the gift he yeah. gave those um, graduates. Starting so, off debt free is unbelievable gift. Oh, gosh, I would have loved that coming out of college. And so I want to talk about what that looks like now, mm-hmm. you know, versus what was happening in terms of many of the individuals in this book and how they gave back and um, and disseminated some of their wealth to the black community. You know, I want to talk about Black Wall Street yeah. and what happened there. So there's a lot of meaty stories there. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a way of not just African-Americans learning about their histories and, and, and things uh, to celebrate and things to reflect on to make sure we don't go backwards. It's a, it's a story and a time for all of us um, in the state of Vermont, no matter who you are and beyond. And so I think that what's happening um, around this series, um, you know, speaks to the Clemens Farms um, mission around not just being a farm, mm-hmm. you know, what it means um, in terms to have such this kind of the exhibits, the, um, the speakers, um, the artwork, to have that be right there at our fingertips. We ought to go and enjoy it and come out and learn about it. And um, we, we, we don't have many opportunities for that. I, I do love how they're building community around conversation and education and the arts and connecting African-American history to today and how we all do this. I, I, they're just very good at bringing people in and like you said, it's a farm. You don't have to bring people into a farm, but they've really made all of their spaces very welcoming and warm. Now, this event is coming up this weekend is the first one, right? And then um, that's going to be Saturday, July 20th from 4 to 530. Um, I believe they can find out. You can find out more about this on the ClemensFamilyFarm.org website. There's a link right there. To, uh, you'll see Black Fortunes there. You can click on that, and that leads you to um, more information about the particular events. And um, there'll be more coming up, right? There's going to be uh, conversations with a bunch of other folks, a lot of local artists and writers as well. So it's going to be a really interesting series. And you're going to be moderating all of it. So you'll get to be there. That's right. So, you know, come on out. Come meet me if you don't know me. But absolutely come meet these wonderful authors who are helping us connect the past and our future and helping us understand who we are as African-Americans, but also helping the world understand who African-Americans are, as well as helping the world understand how we need to do better around um, racism, around, you know, um, oppression, um, to get in there to dismantle all these ills of the world. You know, again, I'm going to go back to the Clemens Farms. Mm -hmm. Isn't it can be and likely is an antidote for racism and injustice and figure out how we really continue to do our work. And you know what? Education and knowledge is important. You know, you can do a lot of talking, but if you don't understand where you've come from and you don't understand how you got to where you're at and all the influences and variables associated with it, you don't understand that history. It is it can be really challenging and hard to make an argument, a point or to actually do the action to do the work, because otherwise you will repeat mistakes Mm -hmm. and you will get it wrong. So come out and get educated and informed. That's perfect. That's a wonderful place to end this conversation. 
Dr. Wanda Hedding-Grant, it has been so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you for coming and taking the time to tell us about your story and about these upcoming events at the Clemens Family Farm. Well, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. Now, time for some coffee. (laughs) (laughs) The Upside is produced by me and Spindle and Widget, LLC, and recorded live at the Media Factory in the south end of Burlington, Vermont on 99.3 FM WBTVLP. LP.